You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. So we're continuing our series, and we're going to close our series today, our November series. It's titled, Thanks. If you've been here with us, you know that we've been talking about gratitude, going a little bit beyond the thank you, please and thank you. Gratitude as a uh, sense of uh, good manners, a little bit more than that, talking about how gratitude has a way of shaping our thinking and can really take us further. On the first week, if you were here, we talked about the gratitude filter. My wife delivered a great message. I don't know if you still have the little 3D glasses uh, as a reminder, but it was a great message uh, to remind us that we are not entitled to anything, that what we have are our gifts and we have by the grace of God, and so God doesn't owe us anything. That was a, a really poignant Great message that she shared. And then week two, uh, Dan DePaula, our worship director, uh, shared a message called the Remember the Benefits. And he said a one-liner there that I thought it was great. He said, sometimes we are so close to the tree that we miss the forest. Meaning we're so close to what is, we're up against, what, what we're facing, that we miss the fact that God has a much bigger purpose and promises for our lives. So remember the promise of God. And last week, I shared with you a message called Living Grateful. Reminding you that you are a child of God. And that should shape your thinking every single day. And that the people around you are also children of God. Those you love and those you endure. They too are children of God. And also I reminded you that sometimes when we go through pain, in the moment it might seem unfair. In the moment it might seem like uh, something you don't want to be grateful for. But when God is done with you, when he takes you through the process, through that journey, you will produce something that will benefit your purpose, that will carry you further, and that will allow you to become better and really uh, live uh, the life that God has promised and purposed you to live. And today, I want to continue and close this series with a message titled, Gratitude is Relational. I had this thought, and I wanted to share with you, that I believe we, we need to keep in mind when it comes to gratitude, that in here in gratitude, there's a, a, an element, an aspect of gratitude that is relational. Gratitude requires in part someone. It requires in part somebody to be grateful to. Now, you can be grateful for things. You can be grateful for the sun, the weather, the sky, the moon, the beach, cheesecakes and cheeseburgers. Mm, turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes. We already went through all that, so I can list it here for you, right? We can be grateful for things. But I've never seen anybody write thank you notes to their washing machine. I've never seen anyone write thank you notes to their appliance in the house. My wife and I, we look forward to our cup of coffee every single morning. We love coffee. I actually just had some coffee. But this is what you've never seen in our household. One of us go to our coffee maker and whisper, thank you so much for the coffee every, sun, every morning and every Sunday. No, that would be silly, right? You don't say thank you to your TV. You don't say thank you to your cable box. You don't say thank you to the internet service that you have. You might be grateful for those things, but you say, grateful, you, you say thank you to the person who installed it. 
You say thank you to the technician who came in and set everything up. Your brother, your cousin, your husband, your wife. You may have your doubts about God. You may be here this morning because you were invited here. Because somebody said, I won't have brunch with you unless you go to church with me. And then you're here hoping it will end fast. We're not going to keep you too long. It's okay. We're so glad you're here. You might, you might not be a church person, a God person. Maybe, you know, you're just trying to figure things out. You're searching for an answer. But when you hear or see somebody pray... When you hear that somebody is praying to God or somebody might be saying, thank you God for the apple tree. Thank you God for the orange tree. Thank you God for these grapes that I'm about to eat. That action of talking to God is much more plausible. It's much more acceptable than if you saw that same person standing before the tree and talking to the tree. It's much more plausible for you to Understand that somebody is talking to God than to a tree. Now, why is that? Because a tree doesn't bear fruit with anyone in mind. A tree doesn't offer shade with anyone in mind. Even though people and animals may benefit from what they have to offer, it happens to produce shade because it needs the sunlight. It's doing it for itself. But we could conceive much more easily in our minds that someone or something with great intelligence, with great capacity, determined that a tree should bear fruit that's good for eating, that a tree should extend its branches and provide shade for those who might enjoy it. That's much easier for us to capture and to understand. A fruit has really no utility for a tree. We could imagine a tree that bears seeds. No fruit, nothing edible, just seeds that drop to the ground and it can survive again. We could imagine a tree bearing fruits that are not good for eating. But because it does bear fruit that is good for eating, it's, the properly, it's probably why we are even more grateful for it. We could imagine a tree that's just a giant bush. No space for us to sit under or hang a hammock under it and enjoy it. We could easily imagine a tree like that. And maybe because trees do provide shade, we are even more grateful because there is something there that benefits us. Because we can imagine that, because we can see that and it's more plausible, might be the reason why we're even more grateful that trees do produce fruit, and do produce shade. Now, in this same allegory, just using this illustration, it would be silly for you to see me standing before a tree and talking to it, saying thank you for its fruit and for its shade. It would be better for you to hear me pray to God, right? Here's where I'm going with this. This is my point. Everything you are grateful for has someone connected to it. Everything that you are grateful for has someone connected to it. The things that you are most grateful for in life most likely happened because of intention. There was an intention behind it. It didn't happen by chance. It happened on purpose. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because we live on days where it's very easy for us to disconnect these two. It's easy for us to depart 
from this truth. It's very easy for us to give more value to things than to people. It's easy nowadays for us to give more value to nature than the creator itself. We can easily be grateful for the trees and the air and the sun and the moon and give no thought to what put it all together, to the intention behind them. We can go days waking up every morning having your coffee or bagels or waffles or cakes and steaks, whatever it is that you eat in the morning, I don't know, oatmeals and maybe nothing. But whatever is that in front of you in your breakfast table, your coffee, your milk, we can go days just enjoying it, maybe being grateful for it, but putting no thought to the fact that so many things had to happen for that one meal to come together. All the people that were involved in harvesting, producing, packaging, selling, reselling, driving it, moving it, getting it so that you could have it in your home. Someone intended for you to be able to have access to those things. It's much, much easier these days to dismiss the investment and sacrifice of those who are older than us. Those who are our seniors, people who have more experience, those who fought to get us where we are and still feel good about where we are because we're still grateful for it. We still have gratitude. We're grateful for the things, but it's easier to disconnect it from the people. We can be grateful for our jobs and dismiss every customer and coworker that we meet every single day. We can be grateful for the life that we have without ever acknowledging the people that we really should be grateful to and really are the real reason why we have the kind of life we have. We live in days where it's easy to do that. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we must understand this connection. We have to understand this connection if we are to mature in our gratitude, if we are to mature in our thanksgiving. If we don't understand this, we will never have a complete understanding of gratitude. We'll never be able to fully grasp gratitude. We might run the risk of wasting our lives, being grateful for everything, and at the same time being grateful to no one. And that would be a tragedy. It would be a tragedy. So today I want to steer your attention to the fact that Gratitude, you can be grateful for things, but gratitude has always someone connected to it. I want to I share a few thoughts on what it takes for gratitude to happen. I'm sure you have had time to think about um, the things you're grateful for this week. Maybe you sat around a table because it's Thanksgiving and you got to share uh, a few things that you're grateful for. And if I were to ask you here three things that you were most grateful for, you probably can remember because you were just thinking about this. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about how much of that you're grateful for, though, is connected to somebody else. What it took for you to be grateful for it. Because everything you're grateful for, I believe, has someone that you can be grateful to. Everyone, everything you're grateful for has somebody to be grateful to. By God's providence, somebody invested in you. 
Someone invested in your life. Someone showed up. Someone made the invitation. Someone said, you're hired. Somebody made the phone call. Somebody wrote the check. Somebody gave you the opportunity. Somebody believed in you. Somebody didn't give up on you. You know, you might have shared many times in your life and even in your prayers what you're grateful for. But let me encourage you today to begin thinking and including in that who you are grateful to. That's very important as well. In the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, there's something called the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And every time people would come up and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, even though it was not a commandment, even though it was a free will offering, there were parameters that people had to follow. In Leviticus chapter 22, verse 29, the scripture says this, When you sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, you shall sacrifice it so that it may be accepted. See, even though it was a free will offering, there were things, parameters that needed to be followed. After uh, they, when, when they were supposed to sacrifice it, they were not supposed to sacrifice anything that was blemished. They weren't supposed to sacrifice any animal that were blind or lame or couldn't reproduce. And after they offered the sacrifice, they were supposed to consume it, to eat it on that day, everything on that day. According to the scripture, that's the way a, an offering of thanksgiving would be acceptable. A free will offering, unblemished. Uh, where you can enjoy the benefits right then and there. And it benefits the offerer. And I believe that's still the way God sees thanksgiving. I believe that's still the way God sees gratitude. If, I, if we were to bring that to our lives today, you know, gratitude must be freely given. It can't be imposed. Gratitude that it's imposed wouldn't be sincere. I can't make you be grateful. I can't just enforce gratitude on you. It has to be uh, freely given. Gratitude also must be unblemished. In other words, you can't have ulterior motives. You can't be grateful to somebody trying to get them to do something for you. I mean, you could, but it wouldn't be genuine. It wouldn't be genuine gratitude if you were trying to get something out of it. If you're using gratitude to manipulate somebody else. Gratitude must be unblemished. And also, gratitude can only satisfy us if sacrifice is involved in it. There's got to be an element of sacrifice in, what, in gratitude. Without sacrifice, there would be no action behind the intention. There, would, there wouldn't be anything tangible that would show that expression of gratitude. Gratitude requires sacrifice. That's an essential element of gratitude. Now, if you bring to your reality, you, you, you will realize this, that the things that you'll be most grateful for in your life will most likely involve sacrifice somewhere. In fact, I believe there's no, grat there's no, sa there's no gratitude anywhere without sacrifice somewhere. Somebody will have to sacrifice. Somebody will have to uh, uh, do something. That will provide that benefit. It might be yourself. It might be somebody else. But there will be sacrifice somewhere. In a broader sense, if you were sitting at the Thanksgiving table, enjoying that meal, it's because somebody was in the altar of sacrifice. 
offering it up to God or offering up the sacrifice. If there's something you're grateful for today, it's probably because somebody sacrificed either in the past or for you, if you think about it. It might have been, like I said, your own sacrifice. It might have been your grandparents. It might be your parents, your uncles, your aunts, a friend, a mentor. It might be your connect group host. It might be someone who invested into your life. Someone gave up something. Someone offered up something. Somebody invested something. For the mothers in the room, it was the nine-month pregnancy with the joy of childbirth. That gave you the gratitude of motherhood. It took sacrifice for you to get there. If, if you have a degree, it was the sacrifice of your studies. The sacrifice of those hours you put in. Reading, studying, taking tests. That gave you the, the gratitude of having a degree. That's why you can be grateful for it. You know, you can think, I can think of the things that I'm grateful for. I'm sure you can too. And it's very difficult for me to think about the things that I'm grateful for without thinking about the people I am grateful to or whoever was involved in that. See, I grew up in a great family, loving parents, have awesome siblings, two guys and one lady. We're all in our 30s now. A couple of them are in the 40s, actually. Ooh, getting up there. I went to private school. It's a great privilege. And it was a great school. Had an amazing, I met an amazing woman when I was 17 years of age. Amazing. And then when I was 19, she robbed a cradle and took me in as her husband. I didn't even file a police report or anything. We're the same age. I just tease all the time. <laughs> I've always been a little precocious. We got married at 19. We moved to Houston, became part of an amazing church there, Lakewood Church. Then we moved to this town and planted this church. We have three amazing, wonderful, beautiful girls. I have so much to be grateful for, but if I go back and think about all those things, just these things that I listed, these are only a few things, but I've only had a part, and in many of the cases, a small part in all of those things. You know, my parents, they worked hard. They didn't have a childhood. My dad left home when he was 12 and started working to go so he could go to school. At one point in his life, he served in the military during the day. He taught night school in a university. He taught math. And on the weekends, he pastored the youth group. And for that whole season, he never slept from Friday to Saturday because the youth group had a prayer meeting from midnight to 6 in the morning on Saturdays. So he wouldn't sleep. He would pray on his knees. Well, there wasn't lights or band. It was a room with fluorescent lights and the floor. Six hours with people praying for the whole season of his life. He never knew what it was a night of sleep from Friday to Saturday. I wouldn't have met Alina if it weren't for the churches that we were a part of and served in. To marry me, she quit a full-ride scholarship, academic scholarship to UConn. I know. It's been great. <laughs> I would not have moved to Houston had her parents not come to the U.S. back in the 80s. 
I would not have been here in this church if it weren't for Lakewood Church, Pastor Joel Osteen and the whole uh, Lakewood staff being so supportive and, and embracing us and sending us with their blessing. There's so much connected to that, to our lives, that I, cannot, I could never look at my life and what I'm grateful for today and say, yeah, I got here. Thank you, God, for these things. Thank you for my life and my prowess. No, it's connected to someone's sacrifice, somebody's sacrifice. I think about my parents. They're still praying. Every single night they pray for us. Sometimes they'll send prayer voice mails to us. Five, six, ten, fifteen minutes long prayers. And I listen to it and I go, my God, I hope to be like that. I hope to be like that. That's why, you know, for us, we're willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Because that kind of gratitude, when you recognize that somebody sacrificed for you to be where you are. That somebody gave up something so that you could be where you are. You're willing to live the same kind of life. You're willing to step into that kind of life where you don't mind paying the price and walking the second mile. And doing the things that are necessary so that others can benefit. That's why we have a whole team here. That comes every single morning with a smile on their face. We have two, uh, Dante and Susie, are here in the morning uh, today just fighting cold. Just wave at them today, okay? Don't shake their hands. <laughs> but they texted early this morning. Susie was supposed to sing and she said, I have a bad cold. My throat is hurting. And Dante texted too. He said, listen, I'm sick as a dog. I'm going to be a little late, but I'll be there. Dude was up on these rafters getting the lights ready, got everything ready, and he's working right there, right now, sacrificing so that you could have an experience with God today, this morning. Somebody did something so that you could get where you are. You know, and when you realize that, then the place where you stand, the mountain that you face, the trials that you're up against, they pale in comparison. Because you know you're not alone. Because you know that you will get through it. You know your tribulations are just temporary. But that investment will stay with you. The mountains turn into hills. Because you realize what's been done. See I want to encourage you to live that kind of life this morning. To have the kind of life where you're willing to sacrifice. Were you willing to recognize too that everything you're grateful for is connected to someone? And when you have a revelation of that, you have to have a revelation of that to have an understanding of what Jesus did for you. Once you have a revelation of that, of what you're grateful for, you can connect the dots and realize why Jesus came and did what he did and suffered the way he suffered and died the way he died and rose again how he rose again so that you could lead the kind of life that you can today full of hope full of freedom this is what the writer to the Hebrews wrote as an encouragement to the early church 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these were people who paid the price, who sacrificed so that the, the, the early church could have received the Messiah. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before us, before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I don't know where you are here today. But when you understand that gratitude anywhere, gratitude uh, anywhere means that there was sacrifice somewhere, you begin to realize that Jesus becomes the center and the measure because he paid the ultimate sacrifice so that you could have freedom from within. He made the ultimate and supreme sacrifice. And if we consider what he endured, that, that his sacrifice can, can produce the kind of freedom that nothing else can produce in our hearts, in our minds, in our thought, in our soul, in our perspectives, that he was the unblemished offering, the free will offering, that he offered up himself freely with no ulterior motives, not trying to manipulate you, not trying to start something. He offered up himself as a sacrifice so that you could partake from the benefits, so that you could eat that meal and be satisfied then you understand even the process of taking communion. Because communion is not a religious ritual or a liturgy in our services. Communion is a memorial. It's a reminder, a marker that he sacrificed so that we could have peace and joy. He sacrificed so that we could have freedom, so that we could have complete relationship with God. That's why we begin our services with singing and celebration. That's why we remind ourselves of the cross through communion. That's why we come together each week and we begin with praise because he deserves it. You know, that's why, like the psalmist, we say, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So I want to bring it all together here. Because you might be asking, that's awesome, but how does it apply to me? What do I do with what I just heard? Which is a question we'll ask a little later, right? The Apostle Paul wrote these words to a young church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. He said this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and, forgave him, and, and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering... And sacrifice to God. You see that? But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as it improper's among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolishness talk or crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be what? Thanksgiving. You might be asking, what should be my sacrifice? How can I be somebody who offers up sacrifice? Here's the answer. Be imitators of God. Live a kind of life where you look at what Jesus did. 
How he was loving, giving of yourself, invested into others. That's what we call being Christ-like, being like Jesus. That is the sacrifice that we are meant to live or meant to offer. See, some of the things that he listed there are things that we deal with in our culture all the time. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness. Why? Because those things are self-seeking. Those things are, are, are within us and, and, and they, can, they can lead our lives if we let them. But they, 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 will, they, will, they will change your mind and turn your life into yourself. It will cause you to drive or to live a kind of life where you will be driven to simply satisfy your appetites. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't even name that. Don't even go down that route. But live a kind of life like Jesus. Fragrant offering in a sacrifice. A life of thanksgiving. So here's the point of action for you today. Just to bring it all together. And we're going to do some more singing. So that you can have the kind of gratitude that can take you further. Right? Very simple. Identify the sacrifice. Identify the sacrifice in your life. If you want to lead, lead a kind of life you're genuinely grateful for. Not trying to pick and choose. And trying to go through the things in your life. To, so that you can, you can maybe find something you're grateful for. But if you genuinely want to lead a kind of life. Where you can be grateful for. Identify the sacrifice. If you're married, you know, identify what would, take, what would it take for you to have a marriage you're grateful for. What kind of sacrifices would it take for you to have the kind of marriage you want to be grateful for? Now, you could take it easy. You could take the easy way out and live for yourself and demand from your spouse and do whatever pleases you with no regard from the other person, for the other person. But if you do so, it'll be very hard for you to have a marriage that you're grateful for. Here's a better way. Identify the sacrifice. Find out what needs to be done and then go and do it. Maybe it's your career. You want to you go beyond where you are. You want to be grateful for your job or your career. Identify the sacrifice. Identify what do you need to do in order for you to get what you're hoping to get. Now, you could complain. You can complain about your paycheck, complain about your boss, complain about your coworkers, complain about your, your employees, complain about your customers, and be exactly where you are a year from now. Because complain, complaining doesn't take you anywhere. It's not the kind of action that actually produces positive change. Here's a better way. Identify the sacrifice. What needs to be done? Not what you deserve. Not what you're entitled to. What actually needs to be done so that you could have the kind of career in life that you're genuinely grateful for. And apply that principle in every area of your life. Identify what kind of sacrifices that need to be made. And then go and do it. It's not going to be easy. There will be pain because there's always pain in the altar of sacrifice. But you have to keep in mind that as the, as the essence goes up to God, as the sweet fragrance goes up to God and you do it unto the Lord, 
being reminded that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and rooted in that faith that he's with you. If you do that and you apply your life and you offer up that sacrifice, eventually you will get to the point where the sacrifice itself will become the meal that will satisfy your soul. What you offered up will return to you as nourishment for your soul. Remember this, we're not meant to live our lives grateful for everything and at the same time grateful to no one. Identify the people in your life that you're meant to be grateful to. Remember that if you are feasting at the table, at the table of thanksgiving, it's because somebody was at the altar of sacrifice. And remember that Jesus, the author of our faith, who became the ultimate sacrifice, gave his, his life for you. And then imitate him. Do that for your family. Do that for your spouse. Do that for your children. Do that for those you love. Because gratitude is birthed out of sacrifice. If you keep that in your heart, I have no doubt gratitude will take you further. And you will, leave, you, you will live the kind of life that will be positive. You will grow. You will not faint. You will not grow weary, but you will live hopeful and strengthened. Do you receive it this morning? Amen.